Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigley Blast. Sometimes history moves at a glacial pace, but for the first time in 30 years, the Cardinals have hired a general manager from outside the organization. And for all those who love the idea of Sean Payton in Arizona, you have to take progress where you can get it. Now, this doesn't necessarily preclude Payton from signing in Arizona, but if you think the Cardinals were hell-bent on signing the former Saints head coach, surely they would have waited to hire a GM until after their interview with Peyton, which may or may not be happening now. But I'm going to take solace in this hire and what it means, because with Cliff Kingsbury's one-way ticket to Thailand, it means we have graduated past the previous regime, which was like a bachelor's degree, and hopefully we're on to a master class. It means Michael Bidwill is smart enough not to promote from within after a year full of scandal and dysfunction, because with all due respect to Adrian Wilson, you simply could not reward anyone or anything associated with last season. And because if Michael Bidwell has that kind of clarity when it comes to his GM, he surely knows what he needs next. And that's a head coach who can turn around Kyler Murray like they did in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, like they did in New York with Daniel Jones. A head coach who has a commanding presence and great leadership skills and Fortunately, Sean Payton hasn't cornered the market on those traits. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. They've got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Each team would be just like we're having that discussion. There'd be pros and that. That's the significance, though, of the upcoming week or two of meeting Mm-hmm. Some of these individuals asking some questions, maybe some difficult questions, and 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 trying to get answers so that we're not having difficult questions when you've already taken the job. That's uh, Sean Payton, uh, head coaching candidate in Arizona, Carolina, Denver, Houston. Has he shown up on the Indianapolis list? I don't think he has shown up on that list. No, no, I don't, I don't think he's shown up listen, on that list. When, when, yeah, when Sean Payton talks about dysfunctional ownership, I think he's going to stay far, far away from Indianapolis. Yeah, but he is meeting with Houston. And he well, did talk in, in specifics well, he about that job did, yesterday. Didn't he? Wasn't that yesterday? yesterday they, okay. they wrapped it up yesterday. It's okay. always good to have a warm-up interview if it's been right. a while. Yeah, the Texans kinda, can yeah, do that warm-up interview. Kind of get your chops back a little bit. A throwaway. Right, yeah. A little throwaway, yeah. But, it's not yeah, a bad idea. My prediction on the first domino to fall, I thought... I thought Jim Harbaugh was ending up in Denver. Mm-hmm. I really so did. did. I. But he is back in Ann Arbor coaching with Michigan still. Here we are now, uh, eight days after, you know, that Monday, after you know, after the regular season, Black Monday, it was as it was called. There was only one coach fired last Monday. That was mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury, because um, the Houston job, uh, Lovey Smith, actually got fired on Sunday night. Uh, the question, one of the questions about the Cardinals, if this continues to progress down the road, Vic, is of course, what do you give up as compensation? The Saints hold the contract of Sean Payton, so they're going to get something from somebody if Sean Payton decides to coach this year. Colin Cowherd asked that question of Sean Payton yesterday, yeah. and it was a very honest and open answer. Each team's got different ammo yeah. or different pick selections, and you know it, it could be a future one maybe where you have to throw in something. Um, I, I say this because I know Mickey well, and I heard him talk the other day, and, and he was right on, and I think I am too. Um, he, he's got a job to do as a general manager 
with the Saints uh, in in He'll, he'll get the right compensation, and, and I'm sure the team, if it gets that far, uh, will arrive at it. And it's probably this year, it would probably be you know, a mid to late first-round pick, I would say. Now, it changes if nothing happens this year and we go next year then that changes considerably. There's a lot to chew on there. And Mm. this is what's weird, and people know this, but when you really think about it, it's so different. Because the Cardinals don't have a mid to late first round pick. They got a very early pick in the second round. But that third overall pick could, could basically usurp anything anybody else wants to throw out there. But it, it's not about the, like the, the Cardinals tell Mickey Loomis of the Saints, yeah, we'll give up the third overall pick for Sean Payton. The Saints have no power in it. It's up to convince Sean Payton at that point that Arizona's the right place for well, him. So it, it's so different from a regular trade. Listen, it, it's very strange. I, I, I took away something a little bit different from that. I, I took away the fact that it wouldn't take the third overall pick to get Sean Payton. In fact, um, we, we, we speculated that the going rate for John Gruden, well, what John Gruden acquired for his trade was what, two firsts? And some other stuff, uh-huh. and and I think that the market looked at that and said, "Well, no, that's not that's not market value. It's less than that." So for for Sean Payton to say that this is a mid to late first round pick, that's all it would take to satisfy. You could probably get Sean Payton out of New Orleans with that number three overall pick in the second round if you're the Cardinals because and two things jump out at me number one Mickey Loomis as a general manager in New Orleans still feels remarkably indebted to Sean Payton so they're trying to make good by Sean Payton and and so clearly Sean Payton was going to help broker this because those two guys trust each other and so what I because in that same interview, Sean Payton said there's a lot of different ways to get where we need to get with compensation. It all depends on what team you're talking about. Yeah. And and for what he said at the very end there, if I don't come back coaching this year and I'm on the market next year and there's only one year left of my availability in New Orleans, that price tag goes even further down. Yes. So the New Orleans Saints have already committed to Dennis Allen for next year. So the New Orleans Saints probably are looking to cut bait with Sean Payton sooner the better. Yeah, because they want to get as much as they possibly yeah. can. Yeah. So, so I think if you were the Cardinals and you were really into this, you could probably get him with that second-round pick, which would be the 35th pick in the draft. Yep. They've got uh, only five draft picks right now on the ledger. Third overall, 35th, 67th, 105th, and 179th. That's New Orleans? That's the Cardinals. Oh, that's the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a lot of inventory to work with, but the that second round pick being as high as it is in the second round, right? You might be able to convince, hey, that player you want at the end of the first round, he's right there. He probably could be had, yeah, at, at thirty five. It, it just, it just. I think, I think the hiring of Monty Austin Ford, even though, again, like I said in the blast, even though this is checks all the boxes that I required, and this is the correct first step. The next step is to let him choose his head coach. It just seems to me like they're in a different lane now. That Mm -hmm. if you were going to pursue Sean Payton, you wouldn't have done anything until you talked to Sean. Because it's not like Monty Ossonfort was this must-have kind of guy. It's not like there was a bidding war for his services. I never heard his name until he was hired. Yeah. 
It's it's like you hear you hear you hear the Cardinals say that all it, it's like remember Lisa Love the former SID at um at at Arizona, or the former athletic director it, yeah. at ASU she once came out and said all roads led to Herb Sendek and we all kind of laughed because at the time nobody had heard of Herb Sendek <laughs> so how how could all roads lead to somebody you've never heard of. Wow, that was a that was a fun time. Yeah, huh? I'm sorry to bring that up. Herb had some good years, though. <laughs> Herb, he did. I liked her. <laughs> he had a few. I think he uh, beat U of A five straight times. Yeah. Had that Harden guy on his team. Innings Festival is back. The two day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so many more returns to Tempe Beach Park February 25th and 26th. Tickets are on sale, but you can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and a chance to win tickets. Two innings festival. Coming up next, the NFL playoffs move on and a big question after the first weekend of action. Is this it for Tom Brady and Tampa? We'll get to the bottom of that and more next. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. That doesn't sound like a see you next summer kind of thing from Tom Brady. After the uh, Buccaneers get bounced from the playoffs last night on their home field by the Dallas mm. Cowboys, that was part of Tom Brady's, uh, Tom Brady's media availability. Uh, thanking the media. Uh, he also talked about, hey, decision on uh, future. What is your process from here when you start to think about what you want to do next? Because obviously it's going to be I'm gonna go home and get a good night's sleep as good as I can tonight, and, and then. Uh, no, I'm not. You know, this has been a lot of focus on you know this game. So, yeah. It's just be one day at a time. One day at a time for Tom Brady, which Truly. Uh, not a lot of days left on the football. Yeah, no, for him. He, yeah listen, I, I I don't know if he really is eyeing another franchise. I don't I really don't know how the how the interest could be reciprocal. I, I mean I'm watching the guy play last night and if I were another NFL team, I would not be in a hurry. To, to anchor myself to Tom Brady. At this point, we talked to Mike Reese. You brought up the New England situation. And, you know, does New England have interest? I don't know. It's it's a weird situation there. But no. do they have their requisite offensive talent to make him effective? I don't think so. I only think there's one landing spot for Tom Brady in 2023 that makes any amount of uh, sense today on January 17th. And that's the Las Vegas Raiders. Reuniting with a former offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. They've got some weapons to work with. They're moving on from Derek Carr. Yeah. He'll be out of the organization. Right now, that checks a lot of boxes. But again, the guy's going to be 46 years yeah. old. And he's starting to show it. He's starting to leave balls Look, short. He's, he's air-mailing throws. That pick he threw on, on, on the drive. They're yeah. down 6 nothing. They drive all the way down into the red zone. And that was... 
I don't have a, a, a an encyclopedic catalog of every Tom Brady interception. I find it hard to believe there would be one worse than no, that. No, that's, yeah, that's his first red zone interception in Tampa in yeah, two years. Yeah. Um, here's the other thing, too. Tom Brady never liked getting hit, but Tom Brady really looks like he does. He, he's avoiding it now. He, he just throws these little dump-off passes now to avoid r- pass rush, and that's, uh, I, that's, to me, that's one of those signs where you're like, okay, this is, and again, he's 40 freaking five. What he done has defied everything. 40 so, freaking five. Right. So I so again I'm not hating on him. I I deeply respect that he is able to push his career as as far as he did. But I, I think it's pretty clear it's it's about it's about time to take it to the house. Yeah, here's Troy Eggman from uh, ESPN on uh, what Brady would need if he does come back tonight. Let's be honest. I mean, he looked like a 45 year old quarterback, and I exactly. And I think if he comes back, we do know that if he was available and teams out there that needed a quarterback, Tom Brady would be probably at the top of the list. I mean, he's he's well regarded. He can still play at a high level, but he's got to have those pieces around him. You know, most of us needed that when we were in our early 30s. You know, so <laughs> if that's in Tampa, great, but you can't throw the ball 66 times and, and expect to do anything. I mean, and he's been doing that for the last couple of years. He's led the league in pass attempts for the last two years at 44 and 45 years old, and, and that's a... Whatever the reasons are, that has to change wherever he is. Yeah, 66 passes is, is obviously Obviously not a recipe no. for success, and they had season-long offensive issues in Tampa Bay. There's rumblings. It's not official. Rumblings that the Buccaneers are going to let Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, go. But I don't think that solves all the problems in Tampa Bay. So, I mean, I, I, I think he's moving on. Another quarterback situation, a quarterback that did not play in the playoffs, his team did, Lamar Jackson. Not only was not ready to come back, and he did update everybody on his injury status going into the weekend. It's a lot more uh, mm-hmm. severe than than initially thought. Uh, but not only did he not play, he didn't show up. He didn't travel to the game with his team. Mm. That's not a great look. No. Especially for a guy with such a cloudy contractual future. No, and the way John Harbaugh has referred oh. to these questions about him is a tell. Mm-hmm. If you will, there are a lot of smart people who see Lamar Jackson as the head as the head coach. That'd be quite a jump for him as the next quarterback of the New York Jets. That would be an interesting. That's exactly what they need. He's a missing piece in there. I, I wonder if his time in Baltimore is done. Um, again, I, I I think that the Ravens put up a good fight. Can you believe that Andy Isabella was actually on our television screen? Yeah. On a playoff game. In a playoff game? That did not uh, portend great things for Baltimore. <laughs> no. How thin no, was their didn't. receiving core? No, it didn't. So I, I think that where where he ends up, we're gonna we're gonna have another round of quarterback, you know, rotating quarterbacks oh, this we're year. We're gonna get that every yeah. year. And yeah. it, it's one yeah. of the great things of the offseason. Right. One other uh, Baltimore Ravens note. The biggest play of the weekend was Tyler Huntley trying to sneak in from way Ooh. too far away from uh-huh. the goal line. Ball gets punched out. Sam Hubbard picks it up, races 98 yards for a touchdown, and what proved to be the winning touchdown for the Cincinnati Bengals. J.K. Dobbins, uh, running back for the Ravens, is like, hey, I'm, I'm right here. Why don't you just give me the ball? I'm a guy that feels like if, if I'm on the field all the time, then I can help this team win. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, and it's the playoffs. Why am I not out there all the time? I should be the guy. I'm tired of holding that back. I'm tired of that. It's the playoffs. I'm tired of holding that back. Let's go win the game. I'm tired of holding back on that. I'm tired of that. Did you, did you say that to anybody? Yeah, I did. I'm tired of that.
tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Like I'm tired of it. Like, like I'm a playmaker. I'm a, I'm a guy that my teammates feed off me when I'm on the field. I should be out there all the time. You know what I'm saying? But that's just not the case. How I go here. I think he's tired of it. He's tired. He's definitely tired of it. <laughs> Definitely but tired. That's of him. another like the night before you see Trevor Lawrence on a two point conversion. Yeah, and using his frame, he's six foot six and he sticks that long arm out and he gets the ball over. Tyler Huntley's a smaller quarterback, and mm. there you see like here in Arizona, we look at teams that run quarterback sneaks in short yarded situations. Tom Brady's the best ever at it, mm-hmm. but those big quarterbacks make. Kirk Cousins had a couple over the weekend. They make it very. E- they look very easy to get those short yardage situations. Yeah. Tyler Huntley's not that guy. He doesn't have long well, features. J.K. Dobbins has a point. Like you got big running backs who are a running dude, team by nature. Give him a run. Give him it, a run. Listen, John John Harbaugh actually ripped his quarterback. Said he was supposed to go low, not high. And if he goes low, he's not exposing the football That's like true that. Too. Don't call a quarterback sneak then if you don't have Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I listen, that was um but again, you know what? I stepped back from that and I'm like, thank goodness the Ravens did not win that game. Because could you imagine if we would have had Tyler Huntley against Josh Allen this coming week? Oof. Not the same as Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. No, and we would have been denied that it's a rematch of the Monday yeah. night game that that got uh, called off because of the DeMar exactly. Hamlin situation. Exactly. Yeah, there's going to be two incredible heavyweight fights this coming weekend. That that 49ers-Cowboys game, depending on what Cowboys team decides to show up, that could be absolutely epic. And, and Burrow-Josh Allen picking up where they left off post-Demar Hamlin, that's, that's yeah. surreal. And I know you called uh, two of the matchups, one in each conference, a layup. I'm not convinced the Giants is a layup. Yeah, maybe that's Eagles. selling them short. For the third time yeah. playing the team, yeah. too. Maybe yes. that's selling them short. The Eagles are rested, and that's important for Jalen Hurts' health moving forward. But And we'll get more into that as the, as the week uh, But the Giants are on. legit. Yeah, I mean, it's... That was an impressive performance. Yeah, yeah. Against a bad defense. Those freaking Vikings. Anybody check Frauds. Huh? Frauds. Patrick Peterson got a podcast out yeah, today? Yeah, right, exactly. Your son made that joke. Oh, did he? Yeah, ten minutes after I made it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Jared? No, no, unrelated. I'm just uh-huh. saying that it, that was a very common joke. Well, if you came up with it, it must have been. Yeah. <laughs> See? Don't accuse a man's son of plagiarism. No, that's, 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 that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. for you. Not what I meant. That's the way it sounded. Uh, coming up next, <laughs> our weekly visit with the Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer. We'll find out what Shane Doan's recipe is to get the Yotes a win next. Spickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Don't score! Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. Shane Doan sends a one-hopper on that. He scores! The captain. Coyote's legend Shane Doan. Up early to talk Coyote's hockey with Bickley and Murata. Shot by Shane Doan. He scores! The year 2023 is still only 17 days old, but it has been very unkind to the professional sports teams of uh, the Valley of the Sun, including the Arizona Coyotes, who have lost nine straight games following their loss the other day to Winnipeg 2-1. Back-to-back 2-1 losses on the road. They're home tonight against Detroit. Here to talk to us for his weekly visit, the Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer, Shane Doan, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Shane, how are you? Hey guys, how are you guys doing? Good. Uh, we want to talk about wins. We haven't had a lot of wins to talk about between the Cardinals, Suns, and Coyotes. What's going on here? Yeah, that, that's uh, 
That would be nice. And when and when you said that, I was like, holy man, you're right. This hasn't been... Um, I got a, the Suns one, I guess it was a couple games ago, but it hasn't been a fun run for them or for us. And obviously, with the changes with the Cardinals, I, I was Steve Kime was a friend and I liked him, and uh, that's uh, I, I do like him. So, <laughs> but um, it, it, there's lots of changes and not all the way that we wanted it to go, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah but, it, but in some ways, don't you think maybe the hockey club had been overachieving in stretches and this is more of a leveling out for basically, uh, not to put too fine of a point on it? Yes. I think that there is an element that um, we've got a lot out of the group. I think that the, we have a couple injuries with O'Brien and Michelli that um, have hurt us. And then we've also played well. And if, teams aren't surprised by us. Teams know that if you're going to play the Coyotes, you're going to have to, it's going to be a hard game and that they're beating a lot of teams. I think when uh, we beat Toronto again at home and, and I think we beat Washington at home, um, those not Washington, uh, so right at the end of the Colorado, right yeah, at the yeah. end of the at the end of the year, those two games kind of sent a message to everyone like you better be ready to play. And there's an element in professional sports that that, that does matter. And uh, it's uh, it's been hard. It's been tough sledding for the last little bit here. Yeah, and even earlier in the season, that Boston win, uh, you know, they still only have a handful of losses on the year, and they came to to Tempe and got handed a loss too. I think that was another one that was in that same category, Shane. Yeah, and that's that's a perfect example of any of you know what? It happens once. People are like, wow, they, you got to be kind of ready. Then it, it happens back to back right after Christmas, and now teams that are coming in, coaches, kind of point to those and and, and say, hey, you better be ready. Even last night or Saturday night, Winnipeg's the number one team in the conference, and so the second half of that game, we controlled it. We just we were down two nothing. We ended up making it two one, but we couldn't get that next one. Shane Doan, uh, Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer, our guest every week here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. From the outside, and I, I think it goes both ways, uh, when, when you look at a team on a winning streak, you wonder about the psychology of that winning streak, the chemistry that goes into it. On the flip side of it, I, and I think it's equally fascinating, that the psychology of a long losing streak, nine straight, that wears on everybody. What What is the, the mood like when you go through a stretch like this in an NHL dressing room? Very quiet and um, not a not a feel sorry for you, but you're, it's always that feeling. You don't get paid to play hockey; you get paid to win hockey games. Like there's an element that that is your job, and and sometimes it's you know if you're going along around 500 or you're going around along in a basketball team where you you know you're winning some, you're losing some, you're doing your job. But when you when you lose a bunch in a row and you start to recognize like, wait a minute, my job is to win games. It's not just to be out there and, you know, they, they give you a Jersey and you get to go out onto the ice and you get to play. You, you have to win. And, um, I think that's always hard on the players because you start to recognize that more and more and that it's your livelihood and you got to figure out a way to win that next one. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no way around that. There just isn't. That's the game is, is, the, the stat sheets, the scores, they tell you every single night that you're failing. You yeah. Figure that yeah. Out. 
Uh, I saw coming out of uh, entering the new year, so it's a couple of weeks old, but still it, it, it still applies. There had been 63 wins by teams after by teams that been that were trailing after two periods. That's almost 16 percent of the games where a team has blown a lead in the final 20 minutes. Now, you know, old school hockey, you know, you go into the third period with a lead. You could put a team in a left wing lock. You could, you know, salt the puck. You could do a lot of things. What does this tell you? Does it tell you the skill is up in the NHL? The goaltending down? Is the style of play more wide open? Why are we seeing more teams coming from behind to win this year? I think it's probably a little bit of all of that. I think that, yes, the the skill level of the players offensively has just gone to a, I mean, they shoot the puck so well. And they make plays with the puck at such a high speed that you get a chance the guys or you give a guy a grade a scoring chance they're going to score i don't care how good your goalie is um and i think that scoring in general's up and when scoring in general goes up then it just allows more goals in a game and and then once you start to believe you can come back it seems like you're right it used to be you get down a goal someone whoever scored first for the most part seemed yeah. to win and uh, now it's like no that, yeah that's it's important to have a good start but you can come back in the NHL, and as teams believe that, I think that the team that's in the lead, it's you're always aware of it, and the team that's trailing, you never really feel out of it. And those two things, and we, you, you guys have talked with me enough that you know that it's in your head. It's in your head if you can or you can't. And um, once you get a bit on the right side of that, you're you're usually in a lot better position. Donor, always a pleasure. We will talk to you again uh, next Tuesday. Enjoy your week. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, bud. Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer joined us Tuesday mornings here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming up next, the Arizona State Sun Devils. Another weekend, another Pac-12 sweep. This one on the road over the Oregon schools. Sun Devils are red hot. We'll talk to their coach, Bobby Hurley, next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley. The Sun Devil Fast Break is presented by Arizona Ford Dealers. Come from behind beauty for the Arizona State Sun Devils as they win it here in Corvallis by the final score of 74-69 to in a game ASU trailed the entire first half by as many as 16, but rallied in the second half, went up by nine, saw the Beavers with a counterpunch, but held off Oregon State's last-minute bid to rally and win. Tim Healy, voice of the Sun Devils, on the call Saturday from Corvallis. Sun Devils win again, back-to-back Pac-12 sweeps. They got the Washington schools in Tempe and then go on the road to beat uh, Oregon in Eugene on Thursday and Oregon State in Corvallis on Saturday. This team is 15-3 and yeah, and 6-1 and yeah. in the Pac-12. Listen, they've, uh, they've done exactly what you would have hoped coming out of that lost Arizona. We talked about it um, ad nauseum. That game, they were not quite there in the first half, but they found something very very powerful in the second half and they walked away from a desert financial arena that day saying okay if we can just bottle up what we did then then let's then this is going to work out for us and here we are four victories later they're in great position and it's setting up a showdown uh, on thursday against a ucla team that comes in red hot they've won 13 straight games ranked fifth in the uh, nation but uh ASU playing uh, really good basketball right now. We're joined by the head coach of the Sun Devils on the Arizona Sports Line, Bobby Hurley, our weekly guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Good morning, Bobby. 
Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. Uh, congratulations. Uh, we, we don't talk about you know back-to-back weekends of sweeps, home or road, because the Pac-12 is so treacherous. But you're running that uh, that streak right now. Just tell us about your overall thoughts on the, on the weekend wins in Oregon. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Oregon, we knew it would be a, a great challenge, uh, you know, just their talent level. And they were coming off a win at Utah. And Utah had been undefeated in the league at that point. And uh, so we knew it would be a really tough game. I think our message to the guys was, you know, we've 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 done well on the road. We've managed to win games. But, uh, you know, we've we put ourselves at a deficit kind of early in the games, uh, whether it was at Colorado or San Francisco and SMU. So, you know, let's let's try and get off to a good start. And uh, wanted to talk to the starters about getting off to a good start so that the bench, when they get substituted into the game, is in a better shape to continue to play well as opposed to subbing to them as, you know, we're down six or eight or ten and now they're in a tough spot coming in cold. So uh, I'm glad to see we played that way in the first half. We got stops. Uh, you know our offense was really efficient, so it was it was a really good performance. You know, oh, I'm sorry. When you when you begin to project what the ceiling for this basketball team might be, given your bigs, given your defensive lockdown ability, obviously there's a lot of potential here. Uh, I remember thinking if they could just get one guy unleashed as a bucket getter at all times, and obviously Desmond Cambridge fits that bill. But over the weekend, that was kind of the guy I'm talking about. Your thoughts on him? Yeah. I, I, the reigning Pac-12 Player of the Week, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Des has just uh, provided a huge lift to what we're doing. I mean, both brothers have in their own way, but certainly, you know, you know from watching us last year, we had, you know, DJ Horn who could put points on the board and we would guard really well. We just didn't have enough scoring punch and, uh, and Des has provided that and he's, uh, you know, he's a guy that can make tough shots, uh, really uh you know three level score so um you know he just he, he brings a lot to the table and the experience like he's been in a lot of big games he played a lot of college basketball he you know he's a 2000 point scorer so anytime a guy puts you know those kind of numbers up you know they're they're more than capable of uh you know providing uh you know offensive output for you Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Um, that's two wins for your program now, Bobby, on the road. The early one at Colorado, you trailed most of the game. Then Saturday against Oregon State, you're, you're trailing the, the first half by as many as 16 points, and you come back. I mean, you don't see those type of comebacks a lot in college basketball, but what does that say about the resilience of your team, especially in, in unfriendly territory on the road? Yeah, um, Oregon State's got some good young players, and I think you know, you know they're in good shape for the long term with, with the point guard they have, Pope, and a couple of good young bigs that could score inside and out. And they made some really tough shots uh, late clock versus us in the first half. I think they carried some of the momentum that they had gained from how well they had played in the second half versus Arizona into our game, and uh, we just we we were a little flat, and uh, so we have to play better from the start, but. The fact that we can defend and get stops in our activity, uh, you know, our press was very effective in the last four minutes of the half, and we were able to to cut the deficit to three. And it was, uh, you know, surprising that we were only down three the way they had played and the way we had played. But you feel like you're in good shape uh, considering all those things happened. And, you know, we were able to play and defend more like uh, we have been most of the season, I think, holding them under 30% from the field in the second half. All right, you got 38 points from your bench during the sweep of the Oregon schools. Just how crucial has your quality depth been to the success of this season? 
Yeah, I mean, over the last few games, it's been really solid. Like, Jemiah was really good a couple games back with the rebounds and uh, had a double-double up the bench. And Austin Nunez in both games, particularly the first half versus Oregon, came right in and, uh, and made some things happen offensively. And, uh, you know, Luther Muhammad's been solid. Uh, Duke Brennan had a couple of blocks in, a, in our Oregon State game and, and played well. So, uh, you know, Gaffney. So, I mean, we got guys that we could bring in that we have really good confidence in. And, uh, you know, it's a big part of our identity, just uh, you know, our depth, our ability to, to keep fresh bodies on the court and uh, and to close teams out down the stretch because, uh, you know, we have a number of guys that could produce. All right, Bobby, my last question is, uh, okay, so you got six home games coming up here, and, and now that the kids are back in school, I know because I've got two of them on campus, obviously the the soundtrack and the fan base is, is obviously going to be getting into this team. What kind of lift can the students coming back and getting on board this basketball team kind of give you down the stretch here? Yeah, I mean, we'll do everything we can, you know, within reason to – to try and make everyone realize how big this game is. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of games left to be played in the conference, but, you know, where we are and where UCLA is currently, uh, you know, they're a top five team. They're, you know, one of the winningest programs in the history of college basketball. They, you know, they've been to a Final Four the last couple of years. You know, Mick Cronin is a guy that I really admire as a coach and what he's been able to do. And, and so there's every reason to want to be there. I mean, we're playing well. We've shown we could beat elite teams this year already. So, um, you know, I'm excited. There's a lot of juice to the game. And we'll do everything we can to promote it, you know, internally and reach out to campus and do everything possible. But, I mean, we just hope it's an electric environment on Thursday night. Yeah, on UCLA, fifth in the nation, as you said. They've won 13 in a row. Uh, at the top of their roster, Bobby, as you know, they're loaded with experience and, and guys that were on that Final Four team and Hawkes and Clark and and Singleton and uh, you know uh, Campbell. I mean, those I th- those yeah. those guys have been around for, for a long time. Uh, what uh, what does UCLA do that you consider to, to be the biggest challenge for you to combat on Thursday? Well, I mean, they, they defend, first of all. I mean, you could talk about individual players, but Mick Cronin gets after them to play defense to play that end of the floor extremely hard. They, they're they uh, forcing their opponents into 17 turnovers a game, which is uh, a really good number uh, in terms of creating turnovers. So rock solid defensively. And then, uh, you know, when you watch guys like uh, Hawkes and, and Tiger Campbell play, you just got a lot of respect for how they play the game. Uh, Hawkes just plays so hard. Uh you know, he's so impactful at both ends of the floor. And then him and Campbell really, you could tell they played a while together. They really play off each other very well. So it's a, you know, it's a team that you touch on that have a number of guys that have played a lot of basketball together. So they're a very, uh, very close-knit team that, that understands and knows how to win. Yeah, last time UCLA came to your place last year, that uh, triple overtime game was a classic. They were third in the nation. You guys took them down. So hoping for a, a similar result this Thursday, Bobby. Same here. You got it, guys. Thank Thanks. you, We'll Bobby. talk to you next week. Good luck. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, joins us every Tuesday morning here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. It, you know, Doug Tamaro, the SID at, over at ASU, does yeah. a phenomenal job, oh, yeah. by the way, mm-hmm. pointed out, they're going back to the way they ended last year, ASU's 22-5 and five in their last 27 games. Their last games. 27 games. Yeah. Yeah, they finished really strong last year. They People did. don't t- tend to forget that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of new guys mm-hmm. this year, too. Some holdovers, but... 
maybe that's more indicative of where this program is right now, uh, is that record dating back well, to last year. And, and to think about how solid this team is, you know, any other team, the whole Marcus Bagley deal might have had a real lingering negative effect. It's that's been a hiccup here. It not even not even that. Not even a small sneeze. So, yeah, listen. <laughs> so again, as somebody who was at that game on New Year's Eve, it, this is exactly what they talked about doing, and they've done it. And it's it's to come back the way they did over the weekend. It's 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 impressive, man. It's impressive. This game against UCLA is going to be monstrous. Yeah, uh, UCLA in town eight thirty tip on Thursday, and then USC comes to town on Saturday for an eight o'clock tip. Two big ones for the Sun Devils this weekend as uh, they remain near the top of the Pac-12 conference. And if they get uh, a win over UCLA on Thursday, I think a lot of people are going to start talking about this program. Thanks again to Bobby Hurley for joining us. Next, we hit some social studies to kick off the 9 o'clock hour with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.